Alright, brave souls and easily spooked wanderers, before we dive into the adult-themed chaos of Dark Enigma, here's your legal heads up. Our tales and banter might disturb, frighten, or even offend. If you're the kind who faints at the sight of a dark shadow, this might not be your cup of eerie tea. Consider this your warning. Listener discretion is advised, and we will not be held responsible for any spilled coffee, dropped jaws, or overly dramatic gasps that may ensue. Clutch your pearls at your own peril. So buckle up, or don't. I'm not your mom. You've been warned. Greetings, my fabulous heathens, and step right up to the vortex of the peculiar and unexplained. This is Dark Enigma, and I am your ringmaster, Nicole Delacroix, here to guide you through tales of things that go bump in the night, creatures that haunt your dreams, supernatural beings with more drama than your nosy neighbor, and a sprinkle of unsolved mysteries. So, buckle up, grab your beverage of choice, and prepare to be whisked away to the dark, delightful conundrum of today's episode. Let the weirdness commence as we dive into today's dark enigma. And on today's dark enigma, brace yourselves for a topic that tickles the paranormal fancy. Here we are, diving into the abyss of the mysterious, armed with our usual dose of sarcasm and just a dash of dark humor. And, of course, our drinking game. Because, let's face it, you're listening to a podcast and your social calendar is about as full as a ghost's wardrobe. So, round up your favorite spirits, be it a fancy wine or a trusty brew, and get ready to embark on a journey into the realms of the weird and the wacky. Take a swig every time you're mystified by the podcast's spellbinding tale, or equally spellbinding host, but remember, the choice of poison is entirely yours. So, choose wisely, and let the laughter and libations flow. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say, poison, wahaha, that'll be a single shot. And every time I say, potion, that's going to be a double shot. Ooh, you got some poison and some potion going on today. All right. <laughs> now that the business end is out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. So grab your best toga and, you know, gladiator sandals because we're diving into today's offering of Sips and Schemes, Lucusta's Guide to Aromantic Assassinations. Dom, dom, dom. Yeah, you know, I got to throw drama in there. <laughs> Today's episode promises not to poison your ears, but, you know, can't make any guarantees about your soul, as our story today has us diving headfirst into the cauldron of ancient mischief and malevolence. Our main character, and she is a character, is believed to have lived during the first century AD. Her notorious activities are often associated with the Roman emperors Nero and Galba placing her in the midst of the political turmoil and intrigue of that time. The exact year for her birth and death are not well documented, and, well, much of her story is shrouded in historical ambigu ambiguity and legend. So, picture it. The year is, well, whatever B.C. or 
whenever AD, because it doesn't really matter. Because, let's face it, calendars are just overrated. We're in the alleys of ancient Rome, where togas are all the rage, and poisoners are the real VIPs. Today, we're shining a light, or should I say a dimly lit lantern, on one of Rome's less savory characters, Locusta of Gaul. Cue the ominous music. Or not, because, well, I'm not that fancy. <laughs> Locusta, the maestro of mischief, the alchemist of anguish, and the reigning champion of concocting concoctions that make your grandma's secret stew recipe seem like child's play. But before we delve into the murky world of toxic tidings, let's roll back the parchment and peer into the origins of our venomous virtuoso. Get ready, folks, because this isn't your typical bedtime story. Well, unless your bedtime story involves poison and a dash of ancient charm. Ah, ancient Rome, where the wine flowed like water and poison was practically, practically a condiment. Our leading lady, Locusta, emerges from the misty realms of Gaul. Oh, Gaul, please! The place where even the mist whispers tales of mischief. Or maybe that's just the local goats gossiping. I don't know. It was a time when coliseums were the social media. And togos were the equivalent of high fashion. Although, why did those ever go out of fashion? Somebody hit me up with that. I need to know why togas are not fashionable anymore. But who needs a detailed history lesson when we can just dive straight into the good stuff? Right? Because there's not a whole lot to know about her. Now, Lacusta, not exactly your typical girl next door. Well, unless your neighbor has a penchant for potions and a cat named Mr. Whiskerston. Okay, I made up the cat. <laughs> she grew up in an era when women had about as many rights as a gladiator in a tutu. And let's just say the toga was not exactly the garment of empowerment for ladies. But Lacusta... Oh, she decided to dance to her own tune. A tune that was probably in a minor key, knowing her. But you'll find out. You see, Lacusta was cooking up more than just a mean stew in the kitchens of Gaul. Her culinary talents took a sinister turn as she discovered her knack for the forbidden art of potion making. Imagine her mom's surprise when she found a cauldron next to the hearth instead of the usual bread dough. As Lacusta grew, so did her reputation. Like a well-aged wine, or in her case, like a concoction that could age you prematurely. Gaul was no stranger to mischief, but Lucusta was on a whole new level. The neighbors probably whispered, Have you heard about the girl with the cauldron? Gives a whole new meaning to brewing trouble, right? <laughs> and so our poison prodigy was born. Emerging from the humble, misty kitchens of Gaul, ready to spice up the world, one lethal potion at a time. But enough about the Gaulish gossips. Let's get back to Lacusta's journey into the dark arts. We've just cracked open the ancient tome of Lacusta's life, and things are about to get, well, a tad darker. So there's Lacusta, our maestro of mischief, cooking up trouble and concoctions in Gaul. But, dear listeners, you don't earn the title of the dark arts diva by making a mean casserole. Tuna not included, right? 
Lacusta, she didn't just stumble upon the dark arts. She pirouetted into them with the grace of a gladiator avoiding a lion's hug. Picture a young Lacusta, a teenage mastermind, with a cauldron and dreams of a poisoner's empire. Now, there's an adolescence to fear, right? You'll never look at your teenagers the same. <laughs> Gaul might have been a quaint backdrop, but Lacusta had bigger plans. It was time for her to conquer Rome. And not with armies or grand speeches, mind you, but with something far more potent. Poison. She arrived in the Eternal City, where everyone was busy trying to build an empire, and she thought, why not build one made of fear and fatal elixirs? The Romans, a society with a taste for drama, both on and off the stage, and Lucusta, she was ready to give them a performance they'd never forget. She earned that title, the Dark Arts Diva, one poison goblet at a time. It wasn't just about concocting potions, no, it was about turning every assassination into a work of art. Now our heroine had mastered the art of turning potions into poison, but one legendary tale stands out about her. A tale of petals and peril. Imagine the scene, Rome, a city teeming with power-hungry senators, ambitious generals, and the occasional philosopher pondering the meaning of it all. Hmm, sounds like Washington, D.C., doesn't it? Okay. Anyways, enter Lacusta, the dark arts diva, with a plan as twisted as a Roman road. The target? Hmm, a senator known for his eloquence and a penchant for reciting love poetry to anyone within earshot. Now, as charming as poetry might be, it turns out not everyone appreciates an impromptu sonnet in the middle of the Senate. Lacusta, being the artist that she was, decided to craft a bouquet for our poetic senator. But this was not your typical floral arrangement. Oh, no! The blooms harbored a secret. A deadly secret. Lacusta had infused the petals with a potion so potent that even Cupid would have traded his arrows for a bouquet like this. Our unsuspecting senator received the bouquet with all the enthusiasm of a puppy getting a treat. As the days went by, though, he couldn't resist but share the beauty of his newfound botanical companion with everyone he met. Soon, the entire senate was treated to the sight and scent of these bewitched blossoms. But here's where Lacusta's dark genius truly shone through. The potion, you see, had a peculiar effect. It didn't just intoxicate the senses. It unleashed a poetic frenzy of Shakespearean proportions. Our senator, once known for his charming couplets, now couldn't stop rhyming, no matter the occasion. We're knee-deep in the potions and poisons of Lacusta's world, and now... Let's unfold a tale that blurs the lines between love and lethal injections. Who can forget the time she turned a love potion into a weapon of mass destruction? Oh yes, dear listeners, nothing says romance quite like a vial of subtle doom. Rome, a city that thought it had seen it all. Well, until Alcesta arrives. 
ready to spice up the romantic lives of the elite. This time, the target? Well, a prominent general, known for his military prowess, but lacking in the art of love. You know what they say, all is fair in love and warfare, especially when you're dealing with the dark arts diva. Lacesta, with a wicked twinkle in her eye, decided to brew a little love potion. But not just any love potion. No, no, no. This elixir wasn't about cute crushes or hand-holding in the garden or romantic wine-drinking and the, the moon and the stars. No. This was a weapon of mass destruction, crafted to unleash a torrent of romantic fervor. Our unsuspecting general, seeking advice from Cupid, but getting a dose of Lacesta, took a sip of the potion. Little did he know that this love potion was less Romeo and Juliet and more chaos and confusion. The effect was like watching a Shakespearean comedy on Fast Forward, with everyone in the general's vicinity swept up in a whirlwind of misplaced affection. Soon, the general found himself entangled in a web of adoration, with admirers appearing from every corner. The Senate meetings turned into melodramatic scenes of unrequited love, and the battlefield became a stage for passionate declarations rather than strategic maneuvers. All right, but enough about Lacesta's artistic endeavors. We're going to plunge a little bit deeper into the murky waters of her legacy. Let's say the reign of terror, the poisoned elite, and the art of making enemies. It's a Roman tragedy, but with fewer toga-clad heroes and more diabolical divas. <laughs> In the world of Lacusta, drama unfolds like a twisted scroll. And we're here to unravel every venomous chapter. So grab a goblet, because here's where the reign of terror truly takes center stage. We're in Rome again, the city of emperors and excess, where power struggles were as common as chariot traffic jams. And in the midst of it all, there's Locusta. Not just the dark arts diva, but the undisputed queen of concoctions, turning the toga-clad elite into her own personal chess pieces. The poisoned elite, Lucustus' clientele, if you will, emperors seeking to eliminate rivals, senators with a penchant for treachery, and courtesans who wanted to add a little bit more bite to their charm. Oh, Lacusta catered to them all, like a sinister sommelier of the underworld, don't you know? But let's not forget her pièce de résistance, her work for the Emperor Nero. Ah yes, Nero, a man with a fiddle and a fondness for setting things on fire. Man after my own heart. Lucusta found herself in the inner circle, crafting potions to settle imperial scores and, dare I say, spice up Nero's extravagant banquets. Imagine being a guest at one of Nero's infamous feasts. The wine is flowing, the lyres are strumming, and there's Lucusta, the puppeteer of poison, orchestrating a symphony of treachery. Enter Nero, the emperor with a penchant for extravagance and a fiddling hobby that not everybody appreciates. In the grand halls of his palace, where the wine flowed like the Tiber, Lucusta found herself a VIP seat at the emperor's table. But what's a feast without a little drama, right? Ha <laughs> ha! 
Lacusta, the culinary conjurer, decided to sprinkle her special touch on the imperial menu. You see, Nero had a bit of a rival problem, and what better way to deal with a rival than a feast of fatal flavors? Lucusta, in her alchemical apron, concocted a potion that made the wine extra potent. Ah yes, dear listeners, it wasn't just any wine, no. It was a vintage blend of vengeance and vendetta. The unsuspecting guests, blinded by the festivities, had no idea they were sipping on a brew that would turn a night of revelry into a night of reckoning. As the evening unfolded, so did the effects of Lucusta's poison. The rivalries that simmered beneath polite smiles erupted into chaos. Political alliances crumbled faster than a stale biscuit. And as the guests indulged in their final sips and witnessed the reign of terror orchestrated by our leading lady, Lucusta. Now as the curtain falls, it's time for the fall of our dark arts diva. Our tale takes a turn, a twist sharper than Lucusta's most potent potion. Picture the political landscape of Rome, ever shifting, ever deceptive, like a chessboard where everyone's a queen and the bishops have a taste for poison. Lucusta, our alchemical enchantress, found herself directly in the crosshairs of Emperor Galba. Ah, Galba, a man who probably wished he had taken up gardening instead of ruling, but again, here we are. Lucusta, once the darling of the palace, now faced charges of mischief, mayhem, and, of course, a sprinkle of murderous malfeasance. But why, you ask? Well, dear listeners, when you make a career out of brewing trouble, it's only a matter of time before the authorities, well, take notice. Galba, not exactly a fan of assassination a la carte, decided it was time to put an end to Lucusta's poison-fueled escapades. Our illustrious poison maestro, Locusta, finds herself in a bit of a tight spot. And her fall was swift, like a poorly mixed potion. The not-so-friendly neighborhood alchemist found herself in chains, facing the consequences of a career spent stirring the cauldron of chaos. The very art that elevated her to sinister stardom became the shackles that bound her. The fall, where the curtain drops on her, reign of mischief, Faster than you can say, Vinny Vidi Vomitus. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Emperor Galba, a man of questionable taste in headgear, but decisive in matters of justice, decided that Lucusta's alchemical antics had become more troublesome than a toga with an itchy tag. He wasn't exactly thrilled with the idea of Rome becoming a real-life version of Who's Poisoning Who. So, how did the dark arts diva end up in the clutches of Roman law? Well, it turns out even the most cunning alchemist can't escape the long arm of imperial bureaucracy. Picture it, a not-so-friendly knock on Lacusta's door, probably more abrupt than a chariot race collision. The authorities, led by a particularly stern centurion with a distaste for subtlety, marched into Lacusta's lair. They found cauldrons, potions, and an impressive collection of ingredients that would make an herbalist green with envy. Or, well, maybe just green. (laughs) Lucusta, not one to back down, probably tried to convince them that it was all for an elaborate salad dressing. But alas, the jig was up. 
Galba, not known for his sense of humor, decided it was time for Lucusta to face the music. The charges were read out, a laundry list of mischief and malfeasance that would make even the most audacious poisoner blush, or maybe that was just the effects of an experimental concoction she was doing. The trial, if you can call it that, was a spectacle. And you know how Romans love a spectacle. Even now, they do. Lucusta, once the puppeteer of poison, now faced the judgment of a less-than-impressed jury. The centurion probably made a compelling case, outlining Lucusta's greatest hits, poison bouquets, love potions gone awry, and, of course, the infamous banquet of Bedlam. There you have it, dear listener. We've danced through the shadows of ancient Rome, sipped on the elixirs of intrigue, and followed the twisted tale of our dark arts diva, Lacosta of Gaul. Now, as we bid adieu to the cauldron and close the book of mischief, let's take a moment to reflect on the lasting impact of our enchanting poison prodigy. Lucusta, the puppeteer of poison, the alchemist of allure, her legacy is etched in the annals of Roman history like a particularly scandalous footnote. In a world where power was as fickle as a Roman senator at a toga sale, Lucusta made her mark by adding a touch of chaos to the mix. Her potions weren't just brews, they were whispers of treachery, echoes of a time when the line between power and poison blurred like a hazy Roman summer. Lucusta's influence seeped into the very fabric of Roman society, leaving behind tales of poisoned bouquets, love potions run amok, and banquets turned into battlegrounds. But what is it about poisoners that keep us enchanted? Is it the allure of the forbidden, the dance with danger, or the sheer audacity of those who brew trouble in the cauldron of chaos? Perhaps it's a, it's a bit of all three. Like a well-blended potion, that leaves us simultaneously fascinated and wary. And there we have it, dear listeners, the final bow in our intoxicating journey through the annals of ancient mischief. Let's raise a metaphorical goblet to the dark diva, who waltzed through history with a flask of mischief in one hand and a goblet of wine in the other. As we bid adieu to Lacusta and her mischievous escapades, let's remember that in the grand cocktail of history, she stirred her way into a concoction that even Bacchus might find impressive. Her story reminds us that even in the darkest corners, there's a certain charm in the art of mayhem. So until our next historical hoot nanny, keep your potions quirky, your toga untangled, and remember... In the words of the great philosopher Anonymous, life's too short to drink dull wine or cross a poisoner without a sense of humor. Farewell, you delightful miscreants, and may your adventures be as twisted as a Roman senator's sense of ethics. Cheers to the chaos and the mayhem. And there we have it, guys. That is the eerie end to another Dark Enigma escapade. Thanks for hanging in there with me through the twists and turns of the paranormal playground. Before you slip back into your mundane realm, let those supernatural thoughts swirl like a ghostly apparition. Reach out to me, your fearless paranormal navigator at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. Got ideas for a future episode or you just want to swap some spooky stories? I'm all ears and I respond faster than a cryptid vanishing into the night. 
This is Dark Enigma, signing off from the cryptic corridors of Renegade Talk Radio, until our wavelengths cross again. Keep your ghost detectors charged, and beware of things that go bump in the night. Stay enigmatic, my spectral sidekicks. And remember, the real mystery is how I managed to make every exit sound like a plot twist. Catch you on the paranormal side. See you, my heathens. I love ya. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.